0: Got to get all my stuff turned on here, sorry. There we go. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's good to, to be in the house of the Lord and to have the opportunity to assemble in worship and in study and in fellowship in remembrance of the tremendous blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. And we're thankful for the presence of everyone. And I join Monty in welcoming you. And if you are visiting, uh, we want you to feel welcome and and comfortable in the service. We've been studying for some time. Actually, this is actually the seventh um, lesson in a series on uh, the book of Isaiah, the 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 visions of Isaiah, and and this uh, Lord willing will be the the final at least for this uh, this portion of time. It's it's interesting. The book of Isaiah actually has 66 chapters. Um, There's 66 books in the Bible. I I don't know if that's just coincidence or not, probably, but it is interesting. It also kind of falls right in the middle of the Bible. It's kind of a transition uh, declaration between the uh, the Old and the New Testament, the Old Law and the Covenant of Christ. Um, it, uh, Isaiah's prophecy was right in the middle of the Old Testament, the uh, Law of Moses period. All of those things are interesting. If we we could go through chapter by chapter in Isaiah, and again, there's 66 chapters. If we did that once a month, we'd be five and a half years getting through. <laughs> so these uh, these brief summaries over a period of seven months on seven Sundays in those months um, Hopefully it's been interesting to you Hopefully it's uh, Maybe whet your appetite for a little bit deeper look into the book of Isaiah I know it has for me I mean as we go through here You just realize how many How many uh, quotations we find in the New Testament from Isaiah um, the, uh, the assurance of the, the inspiration of God's word As we see those things come to pass In the life of, of Christ Um But this morning we're going to talk about Isaiah chapter 55. And, uh, you know, we've talked about um, Isaiah's prophecies again. uh, Between 739 and 684 B.C., he spanned the reigns of five kings of Judah. It's referred to as the fifth gospel because there are so many references, so many prophecies of the Messiah. And we talked about in these final 26, 27 chapters of Isaiah. It's almost exclusively about the New Testament period, the coming of the Christ, the coming of the kingdom of God, the, the way that things would be in the kingdom under the new covenant and in the life of Christ and his teachings. Uh, the 230 years after the time of David is when Isaiah prophesied In 192 years after the divided kingdom, 700 years before Christ. We talked about that during the time that Isaiah prophesied that the nation of Israel, the ten tribes to the north, were taken into captivity. And within about 150 years following <clears throat> the time of Isaiah that Judah would ta- be taken into Babylonian captivity. And he, he uh, prophesies pretty extensively about that and about their return to Jerusalem. So that's kind of a summary. Of, and so we get to uh, chapter 55. Now last time we... We talked last month, we, we looked at Isaiah chapter 53, which we called the Servant Songs because it was a description of the suffering servant. And we saw in it a depiction of Jesus and his suffering upon the cross and his, his redeeming us through the, th- the things that he suffered uh, to purchase our pardon, to purchase to take his, our sins upon him and to pay the price for those things. Following chapter, Isaiah chapter 54 then talks about the coming bride of Christ, the church. And it talks about a, a description there of the church. And it, and it talks about expanding the borders, widening the tent, making preparation for those who are going to come in. The children of God who are going to come in, in the bride of Christ, a part of the church, a part of the kingdom. And then we get to Isaiah chapter 55, which is now God's calling. God's calling a description of the calling of the nations into the kingdom of God. And so we're going to go through this morning, and just like the book of Isaiah, there are, as, we, as Isaac, thank you Isaac for the reading of the morning, as he went through those verses, there's probably a lot of those verses you recognize, and you've heard them used in various ways and in various sermons. And so there's a lot of ways we could go, with these verses, there's only 13, but we could spend a tremendous amount of time. I'm not, I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to try to uh, do this in summary fashion, but in a way that adequately talks about and reveals the things that, that God is revealing to us. And the things that Isaiah prophesied concerning our time and, and Christ in the kingdom of God. And he begins by saying, ho! <laughs> Did I get your attention? I know some of y'all are starting to get a little bit bored already, weren't you? But that's the emphasis here, okay? That's what God is saying. He's saying, ho! He's saying, listen, let me have your attention. What I'm fixing to tell you is very important. And he says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Let me ask you this morning, did you come here thirsty this morning? Hopefully we all came thirsty. <clears throat> you know, we sing the song, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. <clears throat> that is that is a that's a person longing after God. And we should have a thirst for God. When we come to worship, we should have a thirst to be in the presence of our, of our fellow Christians, of the family. We should have a thirst to worship. We should have a thirst for the truth of God. And that's what God is calling. He's saying all you who are thirsty. Now let me say this, everybody's thirsty. Everybody in the world thirsts, longs after something. But God is calling those who thirst, who long after him, because that is the only place that there is true fulfillment. And that's what he's going to tell us about He says, come to the waters, come to that which will quench the thirst. Come to that for which you long for in longing after God, in thirsting after God. He says, you who have no money, come and buy and eat. So he's calling those who are thirsty, and he's saying, if you don't have any money, that's okay. And guess what? When it comes to the spiritual blessings of God and the salvation of God... None of us have the money to pay for that. Your money's not any good here. <clears throat> but he's saying, you know, it reminds you of the, of the, the Sermon on the Mount and Je- the way Jesus began that Sermon on the Mount by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> the poor in spirit, the recognition of our spiritual poverty, of our dependence upon God, of our need... For God of the spiritual things, because we have not the means to cleanse our own sins, to to purchase our own salvation, all those things must come from God. And we are totally dependent on Him for the spiritual blessings and the spiritual things. And so he says, come you who have no money, come you who are spiritually poor, who recognize your spiritual poverty. He says, come and buy and eat. Come and buy. Well, we we don't have anything to buy with. What is he saying? Well, he's saying obtain. Come and obtain the blessings of God. How do we come and obtain the blessings of God is that we approach God in the way that he is prescribed, in the way that he is authored. That is the way we come and we eat, we enjoy, we, we partake in those spiritual blessings, partake in the things that God has given to us or gives to us. He said, Come to the waters. And we know that the waters is a reference to Christ. It's a reference to the Messiah. <clears throat> in, um, <clears throat> in John, the seventh chapter, in verse 37, Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. <clears throat> the spiritual refreshment that we need comes, is, in, is given to us through Christ, it's in Christ. When Jesus Met the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He told her, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He said, who, he who drinks this water will never thirst. <clears throat> so we see in this first verse, the calling is to come to God in the, prescribed, the way that he is prescribed through his son Jesus Christ. He said, come, yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So he talks about, he says, come with, with no money. Come and buy and eat and come and buy milk and wine. And he's describing things that are, that are valuable, things that are valued, things that are nourishing. <clears throat> and from a spiritual standpoint, come and buy those things. Come and obtain those things from me, the spiritual nourishment. That I provide. He said, without money, there is no, no money to be paid. There is no price that we can offer. We cannot earn these things. We cannot purchase these things for ourselves. For the price was paid for these things through the blood of Christ, as the scripture tells us, that we're not redeemed with things that perish like silver and gold by the, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So there was a price paid, but God's the one who paid the price so that we can come. And take that gift of God freely. 1 Corinthians 2 and 12 says this, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God has given us of his spirit, and we recognize the the spiritual blessings that he has given us through Christ. He says, coming by, again, without money and without price. You know, when I was thinking about this, you think about that there is not a price that we can pay, that we cannot earn or merit our salvation, but the importance, again, of God's calling us to come to Him in, in the prescribed way. And when I, I just thought about this Old Testament illustration, you know, I don't think anything is in the Bible by accident. I think all those things, that the Scripture tells us in the Old Testament, pointed to the things in the New. It was, a time, it was preparing us for the time of Christ, and they were illustration of the spiritual things, a shadow of the things to come. And there's, in the book of 2 Kings, there's the um, story of, of a man named Naaman, and we're very familiar with that. That Naaman was a captain of the, of the army of, armies of Syria, and he was a, a valiant man, and he was um, highly esteemed by the king, but it tells us also that he had leprosy and that there was a little servant girl in his household that served his wife, who as the armies of Syria had gone into Israel, they'd taken back certain captives, and among those was a, a little girl who was a servant now in the house of Naaman. And when she learned about Naaman's leprosy, she said, you know, only if you could be in Israel, because there's a prophet in Israel, and I'm sure that he could probably bring you healing. And when Naaman heard this, In what was a hopeless situation, he went to the king and he said, he told him what the little girl had told him and the king said, here, I'm going to write a letter to the king of Israel. You take this letter and you take all this money with you so that you can pay for this healing and so he said, go and so Naaman left and he took, it says, he departed and took him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing and and. You know, I've looked at this a lot of different times in a lot of different ways, trying to figure out how much money that this would actually be in today's terms. And it's, it's in the millions, as far as I can tell. In today's money, it would, be, it would be in the millions of dollars that he was taking to purchase what was not available by any means a healing for leprosy. And so he went... <clears throat> And he went to the king of, of Israel, and the king of Israel looked at the letter, and he said, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't heal leprosy. He said, he, this king of Syria is trying to pick a fight with us. It's what he's doing, and he his clothes. He tears his clothes because he's angry at this, and, and word comes to Elisha the prophet, and he says, send the man to me. Send Naaman to me, and so the king does, and so he goes to the house of Elisha. And he comes to the house of Elisha and a servant comes out from Elisha's house. And he says, Naaman, you want to be clean? He said, go down to the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times. And when Naaman heard this, he was angry. You know what? He had traveled all this way. He had brought all this money, all these things to offer for cleansing. And he said, if all it takes to be cleansed of leprosy is to go dip in a river, he said, I can do that back home. And our rivers are a lot cleaner than the ones here. He said, this prophet that you sent me to, he wouldn't even come out himself and talk to me. You know, I figured he would come out, put his hands on me, do something like that. You know, demonstrate some kind of miraculous powers and then I would be healed. And he didn't do any of that and I'm mad and going home. And as he's going home, one of his own servants says, you know what? He said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? If he had asked you, you were going to pay millions of dollars. You would have done anything. He asked and he told you something very simple. Just go wash and be clean. And he said, why not try it? If that's all it takes. And so he did. He said, he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. And according to the saying of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And you know what he was also? He was humbled. And you know something else? He realized that there's not any gods (laughs) except for the true God. The God of Israel, the true God of heaven. But you know something else that we think we see in this, and this is my whole point, is he came with a lot of money. And you know what? He couldn't buy healing with that money. The blessing of God, the healing of God was not to be purchased with tangible things of this world. There was no way he could earn that healing. He couldn't pay for that healing. But you know how he obtained it? In the way that God prescribed. In God's way. In following God's way. In doing what God told him to do. He got that which he desired. And that is true for us in our approaching Christ. That we approach Christ. That we approach God in the way that he is prescribed. It is a free gift. He offers it to us freely, and it's not earned or purchased, but we obtain it by approaching God in his prescribed way. Listen to the words of Revelation chapter 22. There's an invitation here very similar to the words that we read here in Isaiah, but first, before I get to that in verse 17, I want you to listen to verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. What did he say? He said, blessed are those who do the commandments of God. Though God's gift is free to us and freely offered and freely given, we obtain it through obedience by following his prescription and his prescribed method. And then down in verse 17, he says, well, first of all, he says, by obeying those commandments, what do we do? We have right to the tree of life. We have right to those blessings of God, the blessings of forgiveness and of eternity and all of those things. <clears throat> In verse 17, he's, he, he gives the invitation, and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let, those who, let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Verse 2, Isaiah chapter 55 says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Okay. He just told us in the first verse that we can come by without money, that which is truly valuable, that which truly nourishes, that which truly uh, fulfills our thirst, quenches our thirst. And then he says, Why are you spending your money? for things that don't do any of those things. <clears throat> he said, you're spending your, your life and your energy and your efforts for things that don't satisfy. He says, why are you doing those things? And that's the question, <laughs> right? When we look at our lives and we say, am I happy, am I fulfilled? <clears throat> if, if the answer to that is no, then maybe we need, we need to look at where we're spending our money, where, what we're seeking after, what we're, trying to satisfy those our thirst with. <clears throat> Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a gut check for us <clears throat> to realize that every morning this, this is our opportunity, right? Every morning is God's calling. Come to me. Come to me and those who are thirsty. Bring your thirst to me. Thirst after my things. Thirst after the things of God. Seek after me. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Listen carefully. Are you happy? Are you fulfilled? If the answer is no, you're seeking after the wrong things. The things don't satisfy. He said, but listen to me. He said, and come and eat what is good. <clears throat> and let your soul delight itself in abundance. You know, again, we go back to Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. (sighs) Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. The abundant life is is the life, the fulfilling life is the life in Christ. It's, It's by seeking after God and the blessings that he offers us through Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. The abundance of God's blessings that we receive through Jesus. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And so again, the emphasis is on hearing. Hearing God, hearing the word of God. It all comes back. It all keeps coming back to what? What? To the things that God has revealed to us through his word. That is where we find the mind of God. That is where we find the commands of God. That is where we find the comfort of God. The assurances of God. The promises of God. Hear me, he says, and your soul shall live. Hear and do those things. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. And so again, Isaiah 750 years before the time of Christ is just talking about that new covenant that new covenant that was going to come about because of the promises that God had made to David about the one who he would raise up to sit upon his throne, and that would be an eternal kingdom, God, that, that the Messiah would be through the descendants of David and that his kingdom would be eternal. And the Apostle Paul referred to this specific verse in Acts chapter 13, and if we go look at Acts chapter 13, Paul was talking to Jews there at at a place, when, it, and I think it was Pisidia was the name of the, the place where he was teaching there. As he was going about and he was spreading the gospel and he was planting churches and he was talking to the Jews in the synagogue. And he was rehearsing their history of the Jewish people back from the time that God brought them out of the land of Egypt. And he talked about the the time that they were there and the time they went through the period of the judges and that God, you know, gave, they wanted a king, God gave them a king and then he gave them Saul. Then he says, and then he raised up for them David as a king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart who will do my will. And from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel, a savior who is Jesus. So Paul confirming that which Isaiah prophesied that this was the Messiah. This was the promise that had been given to David and that was fulfilled through Christ. And then he goes on to say, and we declare to you glad tidings in verses 22 and 23, that promise which was made to the fathers, God has fulfilled this for their children, that being that generation and that he had raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And then he goes on to say, And that he raised him from the dead no more to return to corruption. He has, thus spoke, he has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. So there's the actual quote from Isaiah chapter 55. And then he goes on to say, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified under the law of Moses. Again, the new covenant... The forgiveness and the redemption that is in Christ. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 4 says, Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people and a, a leader and a commander for the people. And who is he talking about now? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the suffering servant. He said, I give him as a witness to the people. We read the verse, the words of John chapter 18 and verse 37 as Jesus is brought before Pilate. And Pilate says, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered and said, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. What did Jesus say? He said, God has sent me as a witness to the truth. What did Isaiah say? That he would be a witness to the truth to the people. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 says, "And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood." He said he will be a witness to the people, he is a commander for the people. <clears throat> for it was fitting Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 for him who for him are all it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. Jesus Christ through whom God created everything and, and for him are all things brought uh, into one in Christ. In bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Again, Isaiah chapter 53, the things that Christ suffered for us. That he is the captain of our salvation. He is our leader. He calls us to follow him. <clears throat> Verse five says, "Surely you shall call a nation, and that you do not know, and that nations that you do not know shall run to you, because the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel He has glorified you." In a reference again to the bringing of all nations into the kingdom. Back in again, chapter fifty-four, he talks about expanding the borders of the tent, the borders of the kingdom, to make room for those who would flow in from all nations we look at Romans chapter 16 verses 25 and 26 now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began but now has been made manifest and the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith again everything goes back to the word of God Seek the Lord while he may be found, the imitation is. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Seek him while he may be found. There is an urgency here. When you hear the word of God, when you hear the promises of God, when you hear the commandments of God, the time to act is now. He said now that he may be found because our time here is limited. Our opportunities are probably limited. So when the opportunity is there, today is the day of salvation, the Scripture says. He says, call upon Him while He is near. And we notice that phrase, call upon Him. And again, it goes back to calling upon God in the way that He is prescribed. And we know, we've we've talked about many times what it means to call upon the Lord and how that is described in the New Testament. that the Old Testament talks about, that all those who would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And we found in Acts chapter 2 that Peter repeated that quote from Joel about those who would call upon the Lord would be saved. And then he goes on to preach the gospel. And they say, "Ben and brethren, what shall we do? And he tells them how to call upon the Lord. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promises to you, to your children, to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we see that the answer to how we call upon the Lord. And we also see that in Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 22 where Ananias says to him, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Approaching the Lord through Jesus Christ in the way that he has prescribed to receive his promises and his blessings. Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. We read those verses, and we recognize that what is God saying? He says, if you want my blessings, if you're going to approach me in my way, you've got to repent. He said, you've got to forsake the wicked, forsake his ways. The unrighteous forsake his thoughts. And return to the Lord in the way that he is prescribed. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And he will have mercy on him and to our Lord, for he will abundantly pardon the forgiveness of sins promised through the obedience to the gospel. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, we read last month, we studied extensively. We all like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. <clears throat> Talking about the redemption that is through Christ, and now he's saying we repent and return to the Lord because we've all been scattered as sheep. We've all gone astray. We've all sinned and fallen short. Now come back in the way that he's prescribed and through his invitation. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my, neither my ways your ways, saith the Lord. And we're familiar with that. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, this ties back directly to that verse before. You've got to forsake your ways. You've got to forsake your thoughts because my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. It requires repentance. It requ- requires, in fact, there's as the New Testament, Jesus will tell us to be born again. We have to be born again. We have to be changed. We have to change our mind. We have to change our ways No more seeking our own, but seeking God's thoughts and God's ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's interesting to me how Isaiah, how the Holy Spirit through Isaiah, describes the difference between God's ways and thoughts and ours. So, for you science buffs, um, we think about how far the heavens are above the the earth. You know, know, I've read up a little bit on this, and it talks about light years. Well, you know, a light year is the distance that light travels in a year, and and light travels in a year about 6 trillion miles. That's beyond my comprehension. The universe is measured in light years at 46.5 billion light years. Okay, so wrap your head around that. So how big is the universe? So we would take forty-six point five billion light years times six trillion miles to come up with what would be the the expanse of the universe. And I only say that to say, okay. So how do we measure? How do we measure the distance between God's ways and our ways, His thoughts and ours? Well, I'd say it's light years apart, right? We can't comprehend. We can't comprehend. But God has revealed to us his ways. And God has revealed to us his thoughts. And he's done that through his word. That's how we approach him in the way that he's prescribed by learning his ways, by learning his thoughts through the things that he's revealed to us through scriptures. For he says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So he's using, he's describing rain, and I just looked at the new uh, um, American uh, version, just to, because it, it, it kind of clarifies a little bit, for as the rain the snow cometh down from heaven, it does not return there before, without watering the earth. So it does return, but it waters the earth before that. And it causes the plants to grow, and, and the seeds, it says it gives seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So God's rain waters the earth and it provides what the plants need to grow. And, and in growing those things, it provides seed, the seeds to plant more. Seeds for the sower and bread to the eater and the food that we need to survive and we need to eat today. And so we, we see that water cycle, and God said, that's the way my word works. That's the way my word is. So my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. What's it going to do? It's going to go out and water the earth. It's going to go out and give the spiritual water, the, the living waters to those who will receive it so that they can grow by, grow by it, that which they need to survive and to learn and to eat and to grow and it's also going to provide what seed to the sower <clears throat> it's going to provide the word of God to teach others the ways of God' and the, th- and the thought of God, the thoughts of God and it will accomplish what I please it's going to bring about salvation to those who will receive it. And it's going to bring about condemnation to those who will not. His purpose is going to be fulfilled in His Word that He's going to send out to the earth through Jesus Christ. And it's going to profit in the things which I have sent. It's going to achieve its purpose, God says, His Word. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Now what's he describing? He says the the mountains and the hills are going to break forth in singing. I I don't think he means that literally, obviously. He says you're going to go out with joy and you're going to be let out in peace. What's he talking about? He's talking about the change in our relationship with God when we become a Christian. When we receive his blessings in the way that he's prescribed through Jesus Christ Our relationship with God is going to be different. It's going to be a cause for joy, a cause for rejoicing, and we're going to have peace within ourselves, and we're going to be at peace with God. Now, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. It doesn't mean, okay, a lot of times we talk about verses like this, and people say, well, that's just Pollyanna. (laughs) Pollyanna. Yeah, you're just, that's just you know, trying to be really Mr. Positive Thinking. No, it's not. It's the truth of God. And what it says is this. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have problems. But rejoice, because I have overcome the world. You know what happens when we have problems? You know what Jesus said? Don't let the problems be your focus. Don't let those things determine your projection but let your relationship with me overcome those things. We're going to see heartaches in our own lives. We're going to see heartaches in those that we love. Don't be overcome by those things. See beyond those things. Let the love of Christ that has been bestowed upon you direct you through those times to help and encourage those in pain. Because you can see beyond those things. Because you can see God's purpose is much greater than the temporary problems that we go through here. That you can live a joyous and victorious life regardless of the situation you find yourself in. Even like Paul who's in prison and gone through beatings. Who's singing praises unto God. Why? Because he was Pollyanna? No. Because he saw the greater purpose of God in the sufferings that he was going through. And he did not allow those things to bring him down. <clears throat> but he allowed the, his purpose and love in Christ to raise him above those things. <clears throat> Verse 13 says, Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And we'll, this is the final verse and we'll conclude here. But there's something important here. And you probably see it. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3 when man fell in the garden of Eden, what was the curse? Cursed is the ground for your sake, God said. And toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. You're going to have hardships. And he describes that curse as the earth bringing forth thorns and thistles. And what does he say about our new life in Christ? Instead of the thorn, there's going to be the cypress tree. Instead of the briar, the thistle, there's going to be the myrtle tree. And so it shall be for a name, for the Lord, a name, for an everlasting sign, the name that God has given us in Jesus Christ, that of being His in the family of God as Christians. (laughs) That we've studied just recently about the importance of that name. God is calling. Hear the call of God every day. Hear, Hear the call of God that we can seek after Him, that we thirst after Him, and that we will be fulfilled in the things that we need in serving him. Never knowing the minds of those present, if we can assist you this morning through obedience to the gospel or in with prayers or in any way, we invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.